Welcome to TLC The Light Conversations. This is a well-being and creativity podcast with interviews, inspiration, tools, and tips for the post-pandemic evolution. I'm your host, Jada Del Drago. Series one was made during the first national lockdown of 2020. And for series two, I'm diving back into this medium of podcasting to connect with healers, therapists, coaches, and creatives to discuss how they are adapting and evolving after more than a year of global isolation and lockdowns. My guest for today's episode is the incredibly talented Chrissy Firemane. She is the powerhouse founder of the MANA movement, named Chakarunya or Bridge Person by the Quero Wisdom Keepers of the Andes. Chrissy's passion is activating and rewilding humanity with modern and indigenous wisdom by literally bridging people to greater awareness of themselves. She's a mother, a shamanic psychotherapist, a freedom pioneer, a musician, a poet, and a new earth visionary. Chrissy draws from conscious motherhood and indigenous traditions to inspire her community back to the natural truth of things. The MANA movement runs sellout courses, nature immersions and retreats, and has a team of facilitators of empathic communication, otherwise known as shamanic psychotherapy. The MANA movement has a philanthropic and charitable arm called AYNI, Aini, supporting survivors of human trafficking, otherwise known as Project Angel, amongst other things. We first met when I was making a documentary entitled The Sound of Healing, investigating the subculture of healers and shamans, particularly those working with the healing powers of sound and its capacity to affect great change on a physical, mental, spiritual, and even cellular level. I was introduced to Firemane as a therapist and as a, as a singer-songwriter, and I was immediately blown away by her talent, her beauty, and her heart-centered power. I joined a course she was offering through the Mana Movement entitled Manifestrix. And I did this to learn more about the law of attraction and how our thoughts can almost magically create our reality through the power of manifestation. I also set the intention to travel with her at some point to Peru. This has not yet happened, um, but I'm certain it will, and hopefully sooner rather than later, when travel becomes easier again, that pilgrimage to Peru is high on my bucket list. So I want to welcome Chrissy Firemain today. And it's a great honor to have her on here as a guest all the way far away in Australia through the powers of technology. We can connect just like that. Um, and yeah, I just um, I just want to thank you for tuning in. This this is either the last or penultimate episode of this year. And it's been a really interesting year of emerging and evolving. I feel like 2022 is going to be a powerful year of people being much more authentic. We've all had this chance to incubate and and think about what's really important to us and get our priorities in line and connect in those moments that we've had to ourselves um, to what we really want to do in this lifetime and what's important. And um, I'm wishing you all a wonderful holiday season and a powerful new year ahead. So without further ado, I'm delighted to introduce today's guest, Chrissy Firemane. Ain't no need to fight a war now. Just walk another way. Ain't no need to rebel now. Just walk another way.
You're listening to TLC, The Light Conversations, and I'm here today with an amazing, inspiring guest, Chrissy Firemain, founder and director of the MANA Movement. Thank you for joining me. Where in the world are you today? Oh, I am in New South Wales, Australia, uh, uh, on the northern coast, uh, not too far from the beach and in the forest. <laughs> Sounds gorgeous. Sounds gorgeous. How has this whole pandemic rollout been for you? Have you been in that one place the whole time over the last year or so, or have you been able to move around? Correct. No, I've been in the same place, I've moved around a little bit, but it's been uh, relatively calm, to be honest. I live in a very small town. So we haven't seen a lot of the craziness that is going on out there. Um, we've kind of been in a little bubble, more or less. So, yeah, we are counting ourselves very fortunate at this point. Mm. Um, are you running your courses online at this time? Yes, darling, I am. Um, I'm actually running the last of my online courses right now. I have decided to stop the online courses because I've got Zoom burnout. <laughs> doing way too much Zoom. Right. And I just really want to bring people together, you know, I really want to be on country, sitting on the earth with people. So, yes, I've got like just a few more weeks of my very final online manifestrix. The last one. So actually anyone listening won't be able to take part in that, which is such a pity because having done that myself, being an alumni of the Manifestrix program, yes. it was amazing. Could you turn that into a book? Could you turn that into <laughs> that other people could benefit from? Uh, quite possible. Do you know, like we will be continuing with the content, but just in person, mm. you know, and that's, that's sort of, I guess, taken me, you know, a, a quite a bit of deliberation, you know, and quite a bit of thought, like, is this, you know, is this the right move? Because obviously the content is so powerful and freeing that, you know, I'd love people all around the world to continue to enjoy these courses. But I actually feel right now the bigger picture is coming away from the virtual everything more and more and, and stepping into you know, the, uh, for me, a, a higher integrity route of doing things, which is slower, in-person, local. Um, I think these are, this is kind of what Mother Earth is asking for, actually, is get off the whole global convenient tip and move slower and be face-to-face -face with people. And so, yeah, that's been the decision. Amazing. And I mean, that seems to be very in line with, with the whole, um, the retreats, which were such a big part of the work you were doing, um, before all this pandemic, have you missed like actually traveling and gathering in real life? Like it sounds to me, you're going much more in that direction now. Exactly. Yes. I missed it sorely, um, after, you know, taking sort of three groups to Peru a year and uh, then to not working, I not, you know, A, not working with people in that way and B, not getting back to those sacred lands that fill me and heal me so much. It was really, I really felt it in my soul, you know, all of last year and halfway through this one and then finally started the the weekenders, these retreats here on, on country here in Australia and it's been a huge success so far. And it feels so good to be back barefoot on the earth in the forest with people praying and doing the purification ceremonies and just coming together in love again. It's oh, It just goes such a long way. So, yeah, we're very happy to be doing the retreats with Mana now. Um, and will you continue to do the Manifestrix work as part of the retreats? Yeah, so... Not so much the retreats, um, Manifestrix in the future will be um, like a, a course, a, a course, but sort of, you know, a three-day or a four-day course, seminar in style, so people going home and not a retreat. Um, but, yes, that content that you loved so much that is so powerful is definitely going to be used and continue just in di a different format. So I'm wondering if anyone listening is like, what is she talking about? What is Manifestrix? Maybe you could explain <laughs> it a little bit. 
Yes. Well, I guess um, to sum it up pretty simply, Manifestrix is currently um, a, a two-month course um, that is a, a course of concepts, of spiritual concepts um, that are delivered orally. There's no intellectual learning. There's no writing and there shouldn't be. Uh, it's not an intellectual course. It's, um, yeah, a course that is all about, yeah, I guess the dynamics and the metaphysics behind freedom and um, or entrapment, you know, what traps a human and what frees them, um, not just individually but collectively. In Manifestrix we look at a lot of the things that are trapping humanity collectively uh, and these concepts are delivered in, you know, webinar um, style and they're really, it's, it's a lot, of, there's a lot of storytelling actually. There's a lot of storytelling to deliver these concepts and, you know, the awareness change sort of hits in right in your seat um, while you're hearing it. So the changes are immediate. Um, it's a very, very exciting course. It's, you know, there's a lot of concepts in the course that are akin to taking a red pill, you know, in the matrix and woof, seeing things in a very different way, um, not for the faint-hearted, uh, and really, really for those that are, are actually serious about freedom, not just sort of you know wishy-washy concept of political freedom, but true spiritual freedom. Um, and, you know, that takes putting on your gumboots and, and really having a look and being willing to be confronted and, you know, and challenged and, and pushed. But... Um, yeah, it's good stuff. It's really on the edge. It is. So it, much fun. It is. And I feel like there was a lot of intention setting within that, including like, you know, visualizing certain aspects to life. And just before we switched on, I said, you know, this was part of the vision during that course. I saw myself with this audio setup and the microphone interviewing people. And I love that I'm here now doing that with you. It's like full circle. Um yes. And you also know that I am dying to go on one of your retreats to Peru. It's like so <laughs> yes. high on my bucket. <laughs> of, uh, like I see these photos of the Andes and I'm like, oh my God, I feel so called to those mountains. Mm. And, um, and I know that I want to go there with you. Like I, I would like you to be my guide on that journey. So can you talk to me a bit about what would be involved in that sort of retreat week? Mm. Mm. So our journeys in the Andes, we've got two different things going on. We've got like a, um, a two-week pilgrimage that is, you know, moves around a lot from mountain to mountain up to Lake Titicaca all around. And then we have a 10-day intensive, which is really pretty much sitting still uh, at one retreat space. So they're very different experiences. Uh, but with the pilgrimages, we are moving um, like I said, from, you know, different sacred mountains um, to temples, to portals, uh, you know, we're camping, we're in eco-retreats, we're in um, little, you know, villages. We, you know, it's we move around a lot, a lot of hiking. We drink uh, the plant medicine, Wachuma. We're working with the cactus medicine. So we drink that three times over the two weeks. Um yeah, we work very closely with the Indigenous law keepers and, and the medicine men and women uh, of the High Andes, the Eros, um, and other lineage nations and traditions. Uh, we work with Sweat Lodge, uh, which I am an apprentice to a master um, of that tradition over there. Um, and there's a lot of fun. It's a lot of camaraderie. It's really deep. So, the, you know, the relationships, the friendships that you make on these pilgrimages are lifelong. Um, yeah, and it's just, yeah, just a lot of fun. So much fun. You know, there's, it's so much fun adventuring around the Andes. Um, yeah, we have a good laugh. <laughs> Oh, that sounds amazing. So can you tell me a bit about Wachuma? What is Wachuma and what is the experience of um, ceremony with Wachuma like? Mm -hmm. Wachuma is um, a cactus medicine um, that has been used for millennia and millennia, um, primarily to heal and then to uh, receive wisdom 
through. So when we drink Wachuma, uh, it, it's a profound experience. Um, we drink in the morning uh, in ceremony and we are with the medicine for a good 14 hours, 12, 14 hours. And basically, very simply put, Wachuma is a heart healer and will clear and clean you and uh, open the the blocked emotional channels, any sort of suppressed emotion, any pain that you haven't been able to yet feel, cry out or rage out. Wachuma really helps to move all that and it's actually incredibly blissful um, and almost ecstatic um, when you do just move with whatever emotion it is that wants to come through. It's such a beautiful sensory um, medicine, um, very activating in a kundalini sense, very, very activating with sexual energy, sensual energy, um, connected, connects us very strongly and swiftly to God, to great spirit, to source. So, you know, a lot of people are just in sort of quiet commune with God, all day, just with the trees, with the stars, feeling the wind. Like it's it's very, um, very essential medicine and and so beautiful. And not only that, it's a powerful physical body healer. People can uh, heal Lyme disease, strokes can heal in one drink, diabetes can heal in one drink, cancers. Like it, it's very powerful for the physical body also. Um, does and it, then, yeah, does it grow sorry? there? Does it grow there? Is it like a plant that is from that region where you where you're it grows, it grows in different parts. I mean, you can grow it there, but it grows best in, in warmer parts of Peru. Um, so the original Wachuma cultures uh, in Peru are from the north of the country um, and, and coast. But, yes, uh, in the Andes it, it grows, um, but it's not native to that, to that climb. So I'm really interested in like how you created this retreat experience. Was it something that you were kind of doing as a journey yourself and then you visualized bringing other people there into that portal, as you said, or how, how did you kind of cook mm. the whole idea up? Uh, in fact, it came through a, a dream and not of mine. Uh, one of the Eros uh, shamans dreamt of it. So uh, the Keros are the wisdom keepers of the Andes, and I met a few of them on my first trip to Peru, and there was a very strong connection with one of them, a telepathic connection, a very strong soul connection made with one of them immediately. And we didn't speak each other's languages, you know, but we could feel each other and we were, you know, connected. And uh, I came back six months after that first visit with my kids and I spent another four months in Peru. And on that trip, we connected more. And then I left again. And in not long after I left, he had a dream, a very clear dream of me bringing many, many people to the Andes. And so he got in contact with uh, our mutual friend who speaks English and speaks Spanish. And, 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 you know, he said to Simon, when is that woman coming? Which woman, Simon said, you know, who are you talking about? Oh, that woman. And he explained to me, described me. Oh, Chrissy, she, she's not coming. I don't think she has plans. Yes, no, yes, she's coming, he said. She's coming. And she's <laughs> bringing many, many, many people. And Simon thought, oh. And so he, he called me. I was in Paris at the time. He said, do you want to bring groups here? And I just thought, absolutely. And watch all these people just came. And, and the tour operators that I teamed up with said that they'd, ne they'd never seen tours fill faster and just grew and grew and grew year after year, more and more people. And not only more people, but deeper. People wanted to come back. My path was also deepening my spiritual exploration over there. So that's when I created the intensive you know, for people who wanted to go much deeper with the uh, cosmology there. And then after that, it, it went even deeper, you know, and I started creating the women's pilgrimages 
And then right before lockdown, we had our very first men's pilgrimage where I introduced or sort of bridged uh, to um, the Akukus, uh, who are the Andean guardians of humanity and water. They're men, they're secret kind of men's business, really. And I have friends in, in, that are Akukus in the Andes. And I just heard that I needed to bring the men to their wisdom. And so we had our first men's retreat just before the pandemic hit. So it's, yeah, it was, it's, it was, it was definitely an evolving and deepening path. Uh, that's quite beautiful. Those lucky men that got to do that experience with you before then going into the global lockdowns, taking all those yes. skills um, yes. home with them. What a Absolutely. gift. What a gift. So let's talk a bit about shamanic psychotherapy, which seems to be like at the core of all the work you do. Um, can you explain what is shamanic psychotherapy, um, how you developed it, learned about it, and how you incorporate it in the work you do? Mm, thank you. Well, firstly, uh, the term shamanic psychotherapy is something I coined uh, this this work just to help people get their heads around it really because it is uh, a healing modality it is psychotherapy but it is so much more um and why do i call it shamanic because it um clears energy fields um, from the heart from ancestry from past lives from it clears so much energetically in other realms this particular form of psychotherapy um, so it's um, another name for it is empathic communication um, and that again is a term I gave it uh, and I trained in this 15 years ago sister and basically um, I came across it when I was looking for healing myself, for healing of my own story. And when I came across it, it blew me away so much so that I knew I needed to train in it um, and, you know, have been facilitating them at LD for 15 years now and now I train others in it. And it is the most powerful modality of healing I've ever come across, way more powerful than the plant medicines. Uh, and it's actually incredibly simple. And so this modality um, uses a set of processes. So it's finite. It's, there's processes that are you know, started at the top and completed at the finish. There's no deviation from these processes. They're very, it's very held. Uh, there's no um, there's no guidance. There's no nothing added in. We we don't um, um, put any anything in the space at all. Not even sympathy. Not even nothing. We just hold a deep space of love. And the questions in these processes, basically, uh, I, I kind of like to say that the right questions in the right order. And these questions actually map the unraveling of a human heart. They, they totally track how a heart naturally empties, let's say. I use the word unravel, but to empty is, is another way to put it um, because really our upsets and our traumas and our unresolved issues um, need to come up and out. The, the emotion needs to come up and out and we need to be held and heard. We don't need someone giving us advice. That actually doesn't lead to healing. Uh, healing is, is, is really is what happens when someone feels completely heard and held. Um, and so us practitioners hold a very deep space and we ask the questions of these processes that help someone go deeper than they've ever, ever, ever been before. Um, it's, it's absolutely exquisite work. It's so beautiful because it's very, very heartfelt and the whole thing really kind of hinges on vulnerability like we, we, we're not going to go anywhere unless we're willing to be very vulnerable, completely vulnerable. And then absolute magic occurs uh, with this session work. I am not practising them at the moment um, because I'm focusing on Project Angel and other things, but my team 
that I trained with my teacher are phenomenal and working very hard. I have 12 in the team. There's 12 clearers at the moment who are working a lot with a lot of people, dissolving a lot of stuff for families, families reuniting, relationships getting on, you know, back on track. It's just so, so beautiful. So if people want to find out more about that specific work, is that mm. is there information about that through the MANA movement? Uh, yes, best to just email us um, at the MANA movement to email us hello at the MANA movement um, and, and just inquire. It, we, we don't have the information on the website as, as yet, but we yeah. will be up there in the future. Empathic communication uh, being a core, a core tool for the work you do. So now you've yes. just mentioned that your focus at this time is Project Angel. Mm. Um, and do you want to talk a bit about that? Mm. So Project Angel is um, an initiative of the MANA movement to rehabilitate survivors of torture trafficking. So torture trafficking, unfortunately, is a uh, an elite ring of human trafficking, rings, I should say, global rings of human trafficking that is very, very much um, unknown Um to most people, um, even people working in the industry don't know about the torture rings, um, and and that's because none of, none of the you know the victims get out alive. Um, there are very 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 few who do get out, and if they do, you know they're likely to kill themselves on drugs um, or to go straight back because it's all they know uh, until you know um, our dear river. So River uh, is a survivor of these torture rings and she saw me on, on the TV when, in America. She saw me on Lost Resort on the TV screen and she felt an immediate connection and she wrote to me. Uh, literally she had her bags packed and was I was her last resort and she was going to contact me and see if I would help her and if not she was going to go straight back to her torturers. She had tried everything in the three years uh, uh, between her escape and me meeting her. Scores of psychiatrists, uh, psychologists, even Reiki masters and natural therapists, every single one of them turned her down and said, no, you are a lost cause. You will not heal. You, it's too much. Every single one of them. And when she contacted me and told me a little of her story, I it just immediately cracked my heart into a million pieces and I I knew immediately that I was going to walk this woman all the way home. And very shortly after beginning working with her, the inspiration dropped in about the project, about creating an actual project, an, an, you know, an initiative that... Um, where we can support other survivors and, and the general public or those passionate about stopping human trafficking can get on board and be part of something because there's actually very little out there to help uh, survivors of, of human trafficking, but let alone the torture rings. There's no support for them. And, and you know, love works. <laughs> You know, my love, our, the love of the Mana team, and it's healing her swiftly where all these other practitioners were so sure that, no, she was a total basket case and forget her, let's throw her in the bin basically is kind of what they were saying. She's healing with us beautifully, powerfully. And so it's a testament to the fact that, you know, a lot of modern psychology and psychiatry has really not the first clue about how to really heal the human heart. They they go for the mind and they try and then, the you know, but that's not healing. It's the heart that needs to be healed. The heart needs to be heard and held with a mother's love, held tight, you know, and um, and so we're doing that. With this survivor, she's changed all of our lives. Um, she's about to make a testimony to the International Tribunal for Natural Justice. Um, and 
And yeah, we are holding space for other survivors. Um, we're going to create a center. We're creating a documentary about this to bring awareness to people about what the heck is going on on our planet. You know, uh, and it's really, really shocking stuff. It, it's it's the darkest of the dark, um, and it really does take warriors of love to be able to stand and stay put and look at it square in the face rather than want to turn our heads and deny that it's happening. And, you know, these people need us. There's, 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 I think the estimate is there's about 22 to 3 to 4, 20 something, something like 23 million people in slavery right now. In, in, and of that, there's about a quarter of a million that are in the torture rings. That's right. Right now, right now, as we speak, people locked in cages, locked in cages, being tortured for for money, for enjoyment, um, horrific torture. Like not just you know really not just BDSM kind of little bit of fetish and whip. No, we're talking horrific stuff. Is this is going on? That is so messed up. So Project Angel is an initiative to undo that and to support survivors. Yes, yes, as much as we can. Is to, I mean, really, it starts in the metaphysics. I mean, we are a bunch of love warriors. We're a bunch of medicine men and women all around the world. You know, so we are facing this metaphysically first. We're facing it energetically because that's, you know, it is an energetic game. And so the more and more and more light uh, we can bring to this subject uh, the better, the more we're dissolving it, the more the shadow dissolves, the, the harder it is for this dastardly industry to lurk. But it, it's huge. It's a huge industry. There's, it's it's a $150 billion a year industry, wow. human trafficking. It's the fastest-growing criminal industry in the world. Wow. Mm. Horrendous, wow. right? That is insane. So I love what you're doing. You're taking it out of the dark, putting it into the light and shining all the light you can on it to dissolve it. And um, and that's a beautiful, so that's the uh, philanthropic charitable arm of the MANA movement. And um, I feel mm-hmm. very moved by that story. I want to backtrack a little bit because you mentioned mm-hmm. that she found you when you're on television. Uh, mm-hmm. We need to talk about that because that <laughs> was very exciting when I saw that you were on mainstream TV, star of a reality TV show. Actually, it wasn't completely, re- was it a reality TV show? Was it a drama? Mm. It was kind of a fusion no. of both. No. I was able to watch some episodes and it was like a very high production, glossy it looked like mm. it was set in this paradise resort mm. and you were there holding space mm. for transformation mm. and healing. And I was mm. like gripped. I wanted to, <laughs> I, I, please tell me how I can actually watch it on a larger screen and how that came about and what the experience was like for you making that, like taking the work you do into such a mainstream platform must've been quite surreal. It was surreal. That's a very good word for it. It was surreal and it was very, very challenging. It was definitely the most challenging thing I've ever done. And it came about, um, funnily enough, um, almost like from from spirit, really, I kind of got the feeling that um, I needed to go into that into that industry. I, I, I got the feeling. I really could feel it. I was like, okay, I feel this. And I put it on a vision board. and within weeks I got the email from ITV in London and so uh, basically it 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 was a reality show truly 100% unscripted 100% unscripted but very high budget you're right very glossy yes Uh, and mainstream you know on TBS in in America um but it was a dear friend um who put me forward for it uh, um a, a, an older woman sister uh, a friend of mine in hawaii who'd come to peru with me come on one of my pilgrimages and her daughter's best friend because like her surrogate daughter w- worked in casting in itv and and they were talking about it you know and they must have just been chatting because, you know, this lady knows that Elsa does retreats and I think it was just in passing and Elsa said, oh, well, then you must get in touch with my friend Chrissy. And so they did and, yes, I I, I had an interview and I, I got the job. 
Um, and it was, it was so surreal. You're right. Like it was, I mean, firstly, the nine guests that came uh, were all a beautiful, beautiful human beings. I mean, I'm, I feel very close to all of them still uh, and we're in touch, you know, we're friends. Um, but people that had not done any, any kind of uh, healing or self-development at all um, and very mainstream, you know. So it was, you know, and that was part of the, I guess, part of the show, you know, is to, yeah. to see these people coping with sweat lodge, these, see these people coping with drinking mapacho juice from the Amazon and vomiting their guts up and, you know, doing all these wild things that, you know, to a lot of us is kind of regular medicine work, but, you know, for them it was wild. I mean, even being in this very posh yoga, five-star yoga retreat in the jungle was a challenge for them, being, even being in, you know, even being away from the city. Some of them had never left their city, not what, not even left their own city. What a never gift. been in nature. I know. What a gift for all of them. I, I saw, know. I saw so much transformation. I mean, that was so interesting to to be privy to that process because it's such a deep and personal process. And to watch mm. these people undergo that kind of journey on mainstream mm. TV, I was like, this is wonderful content because putting this kind of thing out there would inspire viewers to go and work that's on right. themselves. So that's Correct. like responsible content that's yes, not your yes. typical like dumbed down reality TV. This is like people are doing hard work on themselves. And if you're watching this, you're probably going to go along with them. And, and you know, some that's of the questions right. that come up, you're going to start asking yourself those questions too. So I felt like just so pleased to see I, you know, I, there was a time in my life where I used to pitch a lot of shows to MTV and Channel 4 and I was going in and out with all these ideas. And part of my thing was always saying, like, particularly to MTV, like, I want you to create more kind of responsible, inspiring content for young people, like rather than just like feeding drizzle, like you could actually yes. affect massive um, mm. positive change with the content. Mm. So I was excited to see what you were doing on mainstream TV. Mm. And um, you, you, uh, you have some background with kind of mainstream media, right? Before going on to that show as a singer songwriter, can we touch on that a bit? Because your music is something that I'm also a big fan of and would love to mm. include in this podcast. Mm, um, sure. Can you say something a bit about your um, your career as a singer-songwriter, which has really evolved into a sound healer, sound therapist, but drawing, I would say, on your shamanic psychotherapy. Mm. I mean, I see flavors mm. of that. So can we talk mm -hmm. about your music a little bit? Of course. But uh, to be honest, I would never consider myself to have had a career as a, in music or no. Yeah. Music was just like something I loved on the side. I actually have never considered myself even a musician. Like I don't, I don't think of myself that way. So, you know, I went to London when I was 19, like a lot of Aussies. And when I got, went there, I was doing session singing and, and then got picked up by, you know, band who were on Virgin Records. And so then, you know, was doing a recording with them and that was all very fun. Um, but I'd kind of dropped singing um, through, I mean, not long after that, through, I think, frustration and disappointment um, because of the industry. I was there and I had my little heart on my sleeve and I wanted to change the world and I was, you know, only 19 singing these songs and I, I pretty much got, you know, the managers of Virgin going, what the fuck, just shut up. <laughs> you know, like more or less energetically they was just shutting me down and I thought what is this this isn't like this is love is definitely not on the top of the pile here uh so I kind of just let it all go and dropped it you know just kept enjoying singing for myself but you know I was doing other things and then it wasn't until uh you know a few years ago that I was like right I've got an album in me. I've got songs in me. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do it. And it was really just like a creative project. Uh, you know, I didn't tour the album. I wasn't interested in touring the album. People were like, oh, so this fucking great album you've put out, are you going to, are you going to tour it now? I was like, no, nah. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not interested in it. I'm not, I'm not interested in a career in music. I'm not a musician. It was an offering to the world. 
you know, of beautiful poems. And, and that's kind of how I see it. But I do, do really love that album. I'm really proud of it. And what's the um, name of the album? So that Mama's Home. Mama's, Mama's Home. Home. Mama's yeah. Home. That's so beautiful. What you just described just sounds like pure creative expression. And it's mm-hmm. the energy when people create from that place, as opposed to like, I've got to write a hit or I've mm-hmm. got to write something that gets me to the next thing. It sounds like you just created from a pure place of love and it really resonates. So out of mm-hmm. all the tracks on that album, which are the one or two that um, you'd like me to play to include in this, this hmm. episode? I think we should we should go with Marge on because oh, you, you video said you love so that one. Beautiful. I really love it. I, I feel like when I hear that, it's like it, it stirs up quite like a strong, empowered feeling in me. Um, March on mm. and the video is just stunning, right? That looks like it a really real community. Is. is that your community where you Yeah, they're my yeah. pals. They're, they're <laughs> totally my pals. Uh yes, that is a very powerful song and very beautiful song. And I think very apt for what we're facing uh, as a humanity right now. So I would recommend March On. And then the other one I'm feeling is Mother's Prayer. Um, is a very beautiful pledge to the warrioress mother to stand up and to speak and to protect her children at all costs and to know thyself, know how powerful you are, know, mamas, that we uh, we hold the power and we are the weavers and to, and to stand and use it. Um, and, you know, that, that song, Mother's Prayer, is all about, you know, keeping me, um, strong, but keeping me pure and and keeping me um, true, and, but, you know, soft. You know, it's all about remembering that our softness as mamas is, is one of our mega powers. Um, and I think it's really apt, again, you know, for what we're going through right now is to, yes, yeah, to help women remember that uh Goodness, when we decide on something and we stand for something, we're unstoppable. Yeah, yeah. And motherhood was one of the topics that I had to discuss with you. Um, but we're we're getting close to time on our episode. Needless to say, as a mother, you inspire me so much. When I see the photos mm. of you going places with your children, mm. your beautiful children, like mm. around the world, I'm like, you are unstoppable. Like I, mm. I have, been, I think, cause I had my second child just before the pandemic. So like the idea of traveling the world with my children is something very much in my imagination. And I see the photos of you, like it is possible. There's a lot of mm. fear of like, you're taking the kids and going into the unknown and, and you know, how <laughs> just it sort of like becomes like this kind of micromanaging on a daily basis. The familiar mm. makes it so much easier. So I feel really inspired when I see the images of you fearlessly adventuring with your children. Oh, yeah. Do you oh. have any tips on how to make that <laughs> doable? <laughs> yes, I do actually. In fact, I've often thought I should buddy write a course on this stuff. You, you know, know what? Just, just... Sign me up. <laughs> I, I would love to do like motherhood empowered parenting, like because you mm. also have a lot of kind of you know, just things that you say on on uh, ways to raise children. I know that you have a lot mm. of ideas around that and parenting. Mm. And mm. yeah, if you were to give like three tips, like on a whim mm. right now, but yes, mm. do a course mm. and sign me up. <laughs> mm, okay. Okay. Three tips. I love that. Okay. I, I think the first tip would be to remember Um, that our children are massive spiritual beings. They're masters. And the more we acknowledge that, like energetically from the moment they're born and to pay them deep respect for being very, very connected to source and not little poo-poo them, baby, are you baby? No, no, from, from, from when they're young, like respect that they see things, they hear things, they know things, they have their wisdom intact, they know who they are. I think when we approach parenthood with that energy from the beginning, we're setting ourselves up for really a much easier ride. Um, So that's the first thing is to 
recognize the immense nature uh, of our children spiritually. Um, the second thing would be to, yes, to keep them as wild as possible. So what I mean by that, um, you know, keep them cross it, you know, like in nature, like running barefoot, running barefoot in nature, not being scared, not, you know, like, um, and in different types of environments that, or, you know, that so they're flexible. So, you know, my kids were raised, yeah, you know, that their father and I separated when they were tiny. So, you know, he'd have, when he'd have them, they'd be in tents, you know, on the bush or in humpies, you know, for, for weeks, you know, running barefoot and wild. And then, you know, with me, you know, we might be in posh hotels with my parents and restaurants in the cities and, and, and they could roll, you know, and they do, they still roll with anything, you know, they're cool to, to, to be posh. They're cool to be rough, wild little beasts. And, and that also, prepares our children so much uh, to be flexible in life is a massive aid um, in so many ways. So that would be the second tip. And the, the third tip would be to um, be very, very discerning, like almost strict with what they ingest. So not only food, like organics, no sugars, no shit, glyphosates no like like to to really be strict about what they ingest in their diets but also what information they're ingesting so being very even as mine, mine are 10 and 12 at the moment i'm really onto what they listen to what what even you know because there's so much bad programming out there that wants our kids dumb and Oh God, the list goes on. And so, yeah, I'm really, really careful. Like we don't have Netflix, for example. We go down to the local DVD store and they hold the DVD and they pay cat. You know, it's all slow and they appreciate and we're one or two movies a week. That's it. Do you know? And, and, and just being very careful with what they ingest. And oh, Jesus, with those three things. You know, if you just those three things alone and you're going to have very, very expanded children uh, who can deal with lots and who, yeah, who are kind of inspired by themselves. Um, yeah, that would be my tips. Thank you. <laughs> They're really, really inspiring. So oh, on that good. note, is there anything else you want to mention that we haven't covered? Are there any links you want to share? I will be including them in the website at the end, mm, but for you. people who want to find out more about the MANA movement. Hmm. Yes, they can just head online to our website, which is www.themanamovement.org. Or on Instagram, we we Instagram is kind of like kind of where we camp out most energetically, um, and our thing there, our handle there is the Mana Movement with full stops in between the full stop Mana full stop Movement, and um, yeah, we'd love to see you there. Um, one of my favorite things that you do, I'll just mention it now, is mm. the Mana Blend. Is that still happening? It sure is, darling. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yes. Yes. People are eating it a lot at the moment. Yes. We've got plenty, plenty. It's Mm. so good. So for anyone who doesn't know what that is, what is it? Mm. It's the most profound uh, blend of superfoods, 11, only 11 ingredients and all raw and all um, certified organic and all come from very small uh, farms, super pristine farms, you know, spring fed farms um and it's a medicine it's meant to be for healing and empowering the immune system uh and you know one box is a month's supply and it is a seriously high vibe very high frequency powder um and i recommend everyone to to try it at least once and okay. you'll feel it can they get it from the mana movement website uh, no it has its own website mana blend.com Okay, great. I will be going on there after this and placing the order. <laughs> and 
I love, I love the, you know, you put a lot of recipe ideas, like beautiful recipe ideas. It's like, here's this chia seed bowl with berries yes. and chocolate, yes. make like yes. chocolate pudding yes. and, and smoothies yes. and milkshakes. And yeah, mm. it, it, I mean, I took it for a month and was like, just so high energy. So it's reminding me, I need that. Wish I had that lockdown. So yes. yes. Get on the mountain. <laughs> Um, so, um, thank you so much for making the time to talk to me today and to talk through all the wonderful things you do. I can't wait till the day comes that I am there meeting up with you in Peru. I don't, it's not if, but when (laughs) I'm like, I will get there. I will get there. The idea of having that much time, like to, to myself is, it Mm. just seems so foreign at this, at this stage in life, but I'm like, it's, I think it's necessary. The more, the, the more I don't get any time to myself, the more I realize how I, I need it. And yes. I, I can't wait to be, a, I, I mean, when is the next retreat that you're running in Peru? Is, is travel easy enough or is it still? No, we have no plans and we're not making plans until yeah. all of this hooey blows over. Yeah. I'm not interested in making any travel yeah. plans at all. Yeah. So we're just working here in Australia. Yeah. But, you know, at the minute things do blow over, we're there. <laughs> we're <Yeah>. there. <laughs> Maybe like... I feel like just before the pandemic, I was like, my intention is maybe in a year. And I'm like thinking maybe in a year's time, maybe like around the January 2023. Maybe, let's hope. I mean, yeah. this all depends on the tyranny dissolving, you know, but. Um, oh my gosh, I hope yeah. and pray that we pass through this mm-hmm. into into a stage where travel and meeting in real life and all of those good things become easier and normal again um yeah yeah chrissy so good to talk to you and yeah you um, too sweetheart and um massive respect for all the great things you're doing really thank you so much
Keep me soft now. Keep me.